Dear Cosmo Babies, on this week's episode, we have a special guest with us, Liam Shea, co-founder of Salon Monster Booking Software. We are very excited to have this guest with us today, as Salon Monster is also a proud sponsor of the Dear Cosmo Babies podcast. I'm your host, Annie MacArthur, and I have my special guest co-host with me today, Aaron Gray, and let's just jump right into it. Welcome, Liam. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are really excited to talk about your hair nerd journey and what led you to co-founding Salon Monster. Absolutely. Super excited to be here. Yeah, I've been following both of you for years, so this is super exciting to get to do this finally. I love it. I feel like we corner you on Zoom pretty frequently. It started with like, you know, one one Zoom call and then we were like, oh my gosh, like these are our new best friends and they they aren't really sure of it yet, but like we're going to make this happen. So we definitely (laughs) um, always enjoy our time together. Now, I've heard that there's like kind of a fun story about how Salon Monster came to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steven, uh, my co-founder, he, uh, him and his partner used to get their hair done at the salon I worked at years ago called Stratosphere. And uh, we had met briefly a couple of times. And uh, randomly, I was in Portland with my partner uh, to see a band called Sigoros staying at the Ace Hotel. I was having a whiskey in the bar of the hotel. And Stephen and his wife, Christine, walked into the bar. They had also flown down to Portland to see Seagull Ross. They were also staying at the Ace Hotel and having a whiskey in the same bar. And so we just got to chatting about technology and hair salons and the industry and whether it was ready for something like this. And uh, it just sort of began organically from there. Yeah. Also, like, like it's such a situation. Yeah, it's such a testament to, like, how in sync you guys were when... You're like, yeah, yeah, totally. It was good timing. They had, Stephen and his wife had considered it, I think maybe 10 years earlier, um, but there was just no way the industry was ready. Even when we began, most salons that we dropped by to just chat up owners still had cash registers and no internet. So it was definitely an uphill battle. Like paper book. What um, what year did you guys start it? Like when did Salon Monster? We started the conversation in 2010. Okay. We began probably closer to 2012, but initially it was just built for me. Initially, we just sort of built something for me, and my coworkers started using it, and then some friends started using it, and then a couple of my clients began using it. Um, and it, it just grew organically from there. It wasn't until the beginning of COVID when things started to shift dramatically that we started to take it really seriously from the perspective of maybe we should share this with more people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now is this isn't, but it's not your full time now, right? Like you are still behind the chair. It's one of two full time jobs. I'm behind the chair three days a week. Mm-hmm. I'm, which is right back there on the other side of this glass. I'm in <laughs> this chair all of the other days of the right. week and at night. Yeah. So part-time hairdresser, part-time full-time co-founder of a tech company. And do you feel like it's important to stay behind the chair? Like to stay grounded in the industry that you are servicing? Yeah. Yeah. I also love it. And I can't imagine not doing it at least a day or two a week. It would be be a real change of lifestyle to not be spending time with my guests. Yeah, I really can't imagine not doing it. So yeah. I think it keeps me relevant with the company. I think it keeps my 
finger a little bit on the pulse. I'm not great at being on the pulse, but it keeps my finger mm-hmm. a bit on the pulse. Yeah. Yeah. Pulse, pulse adjacent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something I love about where the industry is right now in like today is there's this almost like refocus on the small business and yeah. the independent company. And I am actually finding that really exciting to see people. There's there's so much more independent education available now. There are so many more independent companies of all kinds, product companies, booking software companies, kind of everything um, that is really getting the attention that I think it deserves from these like larger corporate companies that came in and really dominated the industry in the beginning. It is so fun seeing all these independent companies really getting the spotlight right now. And I like that's something that I for sure am like really appreciating about the industry currently is this shift. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 suits me much better. I'd always been seeking out smaller, more independent businesses. Um, they were harder to find. They were fewer and further between. I feel like it had been happening for a while. But again, I think the move to digital at the beginning of COVID really shifted people's attention mm-hmm. because suddenly everything was online. Everyone had the ability to capture the same audience at the same time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like before where if you weren't at one of the big distribution companies, nobody saw you. Suddenly it was, you're, we're all on Instagram and everybody has the ability to have the same reach theoretically on Instagram. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, big fan of independence, big fan of independent product lines, um, all sorts of businesses, coaching, all sorts of fun stuff really exploded. Um, I mean, again, it had been happening for a few years, but it really seemed to explode in mm-hmm. 2020. Something I think that is really unique about Salon Monster is that you have both put a huge focus on independent salons, on renters, on suite mm-hmm. owners. And I think that for a long time, you know, if you weren't a giant commission salon, then for a regular company, it was like, like, you're the leftovers. But you guys have put a huge focus on like, like, you're our bread and butter. You're who we love. You are who we are servicing. And I love that. Have you, like, how long have you been independent? And do you think that that kind of played a role in seeing that that part of the industry was underserviced? Great question. Yeah, definitely. I've been doing hair for 25 years as of this month. And so I did a two-year apprenticeship. I cut hair for one year as a commission stylist. And then I've been a chair renter for 22, well, a chair renter starting 22 years ago. I shifted to um, more of a booth rental style where I was in charge of even more of my business for about 10 years. And then starting at the beginning of COVID, I left the commission salon that I was at and shared a one-room space with a friend until I found this space where I Mm -hmm. could do it totally independently. And yeah, so I think we've always been trying to scratch my itch a little bit just because it's what I know. And Mm -hmm. I completely agree for myself. It felt like an underserved portion of the industry. It, I mean, from what I understand, it's reached the halfway mark of the industry. About yeah. 50% of the industry seems like it is or is heading in the direction of chair renter, booth renter, salon suite renter. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a big shift. It's been fun. I, I'm glad that you kind of brought that up because it's something else that I really, really love about this industry in particular 
is that when we find our own problems that we're occurring or when we see a lack thereof in the industry or we're not able to find things to help solve what our problems are, we have the ability to change that and create something on our own. And I know for Aaron and I, it is such a huge part of the Hair Nerds brand and our education brand and the podcast is that, okay, what we're not seeing and where our problems are, we're going to take action to like do something about that in the way that we can. And I think that's something that I love about Salon Monster too. It was kind of built on that same foundation of I'm having these issues. I can't find something that's going to fix it for what I need. So I'm going to make it myself and then share it with the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely, it was about um, creating a tool for myself and for my friends and all the people I knew and that side of the industry. Yeah. Everything was built primarily for big commission salons. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to, I, I think Stephen touched upon this a little bit when you guys chatted with him. We really wanted to create something that had, this is going to be a technical term, data sovereignty. We wanted people to own their data from cradle to grave. It feels mm-hmm. like um, so often in the big commission salons, you would ha- people would end up having to do midnight moves, uh, go in late yep. at night and write down all of their clients' names and phone numbers to contact them to let them know they yeah. moved. It was just the style of the industry at that point. And I'm seeing a shift Mm -hmm. even in commission salons. We've seen Uh a huge shift in people um, having no problem when a a stylist leaves, giving them their personal information when they leave, and then keeping it themselves so they can offer the the guest the ability to come back to that shop if that's what they Mm -hmm. want to do. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, something else I kind of have, it's a little off uh, or a question I have a little off topic from everything, but it's something that I like personally kind of want to know and ask is, so you are located in Canada and a lot of what I would like to know is that, so Aaron and I have primarily worked with a lot of people in the United States because that's where we're located. And the way that the industry is looked at here in the United States is pretty different than the way the industry is looked at in Canada. And I would love to talk about that a little bit because I do think that that goes in to some of the love that you have and have put into Salon Monster is the way that Canada kind of looks at the industry as not this like second option of career choice, but an actual first option of career choice. And yeah. has that mindset at all kind of I feel like I can see it in Salon Monster that like first love going into it and not as this like backup career option but has that perspective changed your business at all or has kind of helped in your journey through the years Definitely definitely I mean part of the reason we did this was wanting to help people take it more seriously I I'm, I don't I don't know what the numbers are in um the states but I know here <laughs> something like people would 85% of the industry would leave within the first five years. People just didn't know yeah. how to, too. how to, how to get there. You know, a lot of us, I yeah. think we're told the same thing, which is you were told what you could make. Mm-hmm. You weren't told mm-hmm. what you'll probably make. You were told you could make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. You could be doing celebrity hair at $1,500 yeah. a haircut. They didn't mention you'll probably make $25,000 a year and suffer. Um, and we talk about that yeah, all, yeah. The and we talk, all the time because I came from the school system. Um, yeah. And I think that that is criminal. 
And it, I just agreed. We talk about it a lot because you are right. And that is across the board. I mean, certainly here, um, you know, you be a hundred thousand dollar hairdresser in your first year and go work with celebrities. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. of course, they're disillusioned. Of course, they're disappointed when they're out of school. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard, you know, with six to nine months of training. Um, right. And all you're taught is rudimentary hairdressing. You're not taught that 80% of your job is going to be hustle. Like, mm-hmm. really, the 80% of it is just going to yeah. be hustle. Can you go get it? Do you know how to go get it? Do you know how to present yourself? So I was lucky enough to start at a salon um, that had a large group of really talented, independent hairdressers. And they spent a lot more time. I mean, I still did months of one-length haircuts and one-length bobs out of a sort of a Sassoon system. Um, but I, I, I had people who would spend weeks talking about consultations um, and then weeks talking about how to take care of your customer. Um, one person I worked with always said, always keep them pointing towards the mirror. Don't turn them around or they'll think you're doing something that you shouldn't be. You know, take, make sure that they know that you're, you're taking care of them all the way through the process. Uh, that the shampoo was really important. Uh-huh. I, I remember one of the primary people I apprenticed under said, if you can give a great scalp massage, you can steal 10% of the clients in here from the people that are working here. So talking really from mm-hmm. the service perspective, mm-hmm. as opposed to from the, um, just from doing good hair. Sadly, being really great at hair doesn't make you successful. Just yeah. makes you really great at hair. You could be. Um, yeah. So was I, hair a first option for you? Was it what you wanted to get into originally? I wanted to get into fashion originally. Um, in Canada, I'm sure there were equivalents in the States. In Canada, there were a couple of shows when I was growing up. One was called Fashion Television and one was called Fashion File. And I, I came home after school on Fridays and didn't go out with my friends and watched those shows and wished that I was working on runways. And, and while I never really got into that level of hair, um, I always wanted to be in the fashion industry. Getting into hair uh, was more by accident. I, um, I was at the bar of a restaurant one of my roommates worked at. I had a terrible retail job. I heard somebody mention the name of a salon. I knew I had to have a haircut if I was going to look for work. I walked up to him and I tried to to see if he worked there. He did. I tried to talk him into giving me a free haircut. He offered one. I went in the next day, turned out to be the owner of a really successful salon. He said, why were you trying to get a free haircut at the bar of a restaurant? I said, I need to find a job. What I'm doing just really isn't doing it for me. And he said, we hire one apprentice every two years. Ours is done in two weeks. Are you interested? Oh, so that was, it was just, it, you fall right into it. Yeah. Yeah. But like it was, it was dumb luck, sort of. It also required <laughs> that walking up to a stranger for no particular reason to ask them if they'll cut your hair for free, which makes mm-hmm. a great hairdresser, right? Walking up to a stranger for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And he Brilliant. turned out to be really gifted at finding people like that. Uh-huh. He would just go places and bump into someone and say, I know what you're capable of uh-huh. and uh, put you in the position to succeed. So yeah, yeah. That, that was, that was lucky. That part was luck, but the rest was hustle. Yeah. I mean, you know, so our, our, thanks. Yeah. But I think so. you said that were really interesting. One that you came from a salon that really valued service. And yes. that was, I mean, right in the beginning, right? Like you were taught that right through in the and beginning. Through. And, yep. and, what I really love about Salon Monster is that the service is there. 
Like it's yeah, service yeah. like you've never seen before in your whole life. You know, like there are people yeah. who call and talk to you when something's not working the right way. And like they just it it's very incredible to me that you guys have that level of customer service um kind of through and through the system. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I think that where we come from kind of helps dictate where we're going. Um, and so, it, 100%. you know, you say like, oh, like we had all of this, you know, it was about, it was about making sure that everything was great. The shampoo was great. And I'm like, yes, that, that has completely come through in your tech business now. Mm-hmm. And then also shameless plug, but you too, sir, could do editorial hair and fashion in beautiful Milan coming up this June uh, <laughs> with the hair nerds on a hair venture. So we've been trying, we have been trying to get you to travel with us for a hot minute. I think it's that we've convinced, you, we've convinced you and think to come to New York for the Hairbrained Awards. Yep. Um, and, you know, we might we might get crazy and do a little, little hotel haircut, um, which is something we've been doing for a million years. But I've heard that you might have already had a little foray into, uh, into hotel haircuts. It's it's possible. <laughs> similar, similar. Uh, yeah, I was staying at a hostel in Nice. Um, as with European hostels, it was a converted uh, nunnery turned into a beautiful hostel up top of a mountain, looking over a city. And I was just chatting yeah. with someone at the cafe there, and they needed a haircut. And I always travel with my gear, and I offered a haircut. And about ten minutes into that person's haircut, another person came up and said, "Hey." I haven't had a haircut in six months. And they waited in line, and then another person, and then another person. And before you know it, I think it was four or five in the morning. We'd worked on the patio. We then shifted to the kitchen of the hostel. Then we were in people's rooms. So, yeah, I've done hotel-like haircuts. Very similar. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Always travel with your gear. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. I think that those are, like, my most fun memories um, are... You know, like these like gorilla hair sessions um, in hotel rooms, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like anytime we go to show, I'm like, can someone move my extensions up? Could someone do my roots? Can someone please? And you're bent over the bathtub. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like it's such a different experience because I think in this industry, we are not getting we're not getting the services we're providing. That's for sure. No. You know, no. and so you got to get them where you can. And the best no. place to find a bunch of hairdressers is at a hair show the most underserved group of uh, people when it comes to getting their hair done in the world, I would argue, for sure. Absolutely. I've also done park haircuts. I've done a lot of park haircuts. At the beginning of COVID, I did a lot of kids' haircuts in parks beside playgrounds. And then all oh. the parents would come and say, are you doing this for everyone? So <laughs> that also was fun. What, like, Where do you think is the most unusual place you've done a haircut? Um, in a car. Really? I've done a haircut in a car. Yep. Yeah, wow. I was supposed to be doing an outside haircut on somebody and a thunderstorm rolled in and we cut hair in the backseat of a car. It wasn't ideal. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the most comfortable experience <laughs> I've had, but, but I cut the hair. It got done. Can you imagine like cleaning the car <laughs> after too? Like just like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. It was not my car. So I did not. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of our listeners are are gonna feel very like 
connected to this because they're they're young, you know, and it's like I think back to when I was a, a student and brand new professional and it's like, yeah, I did all of this patios, kitchens, oh, yeah. bathrooms, yeah, kitchens, bathrooms, hotel sure. rooms, like Narrow you kind of just got to do hair where you can. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. I've cut in hotel rooms. I Yeah. Yeah. There's some interesting places you can cut hair. I, I mean, there are years. Yeah. There are years I can't even remember like being in the salon and getting a haircut. Like it was all like, Annie, can you pop over, you know, at, at 3 a.m. when you're done doing all of this other stuff and cut my hair really quick or cut, cut my kid's hair or whatever. Um, yeah, it worked. I mean, that's that's a part of your full service experience, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it is full service, delivered full service experience. Yes. Yeah. Do, not, do not expect Liam to come to your home uh, in the middle of the night and fix your computer. Like, it's not that kind of tech support, but um, it is very good. It is very good. And I think it's really I might nice. walk you You're, through fixing yes. your computer in the middle of the night. <laughs> you might have but to. I might not deliver the service. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because my MacBook is uh, officially taking a turn. It's headed to the grave. Um, you know, I do like, though, that when you sign up, it's like you can schedule a call and you guys will walk you through the features and it's like oh well good feature maybe doesn't make sense for me but do you have something like this and you're like yes we do here it is right here you know so i think that it makes it really easy especially when you're just starting you know Mm -hmm. we'll walk you right through it i mean i uh, one of the goals was about service we're not a very complicated species most people need to be listened to and just taught a thing or two and um, we love walking people through how to get set up and holding hands when's needed, importing customers and appointments. Um, it was always one of our goals that that our level of service should mimic the level of service that the industry gives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You should be able to reach a person, real humans. I, half the time, honestly, you're going to talk to me or Stephen mm-hmm. or my wife mm-hmm. uh, when you reach out for customer support amongst a few other people yeah support yeah everybody needs it i love also that you've like taken your wife and you're like okay you're also a customer service agent now like yeah because she has she has a pretty cool job right i mean she's, she, a, she's a restaurant professional she's um a sommelier and uh, a wine director and sake director for the restaurant industry so i thought that her customer service experience would absolutely apply and it has yeah has. absolutely yeah so get set up, get your get your wine recommendations, and uh, absolutely. I mean, you one stop shop for sure. <laughs> you want some natural? I know. Wine Bring her to Italy. You've got <laughs> right. it. absolutely. Oh my god! Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm like for reals. Like we're just gonna make this <laughs> <Yes>. happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, we're gonna let the universe know to travel with. Mm-hmm. She will just call the winemaker, and someone will invite us over. Yeah. Oh wow! Yes, you sell it. It's the you best. <laughs> It's the best. Yes. Yeah. So stay tuned for that because Liam and his wife will be on the trip going to Milan um, yep. with all of their with all of their wine knowledge. We'll be doing train haircuts and uh, <laughs> wine tastings. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I would like really yeah. love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like how much fun. Yeah. It's my favorite country. Yeah. Is there? Also, I think Italy? that. Yeah. What would be really fun in Italy is because we all kind of had this like love for haircuts in random places is we can stand right in the middle of the town square in Milan outside of the cathedral and shoot a haircut video. Like how much fun would that be? Right. You know, screaming hairbrain 
awards to me already. <laughs> I think so. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we're over here storyboarding this for you, Liam. So we're going to need a shout out from the stage <laughs> when you win. Yep. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's a good it's a good idea. It's a good idea. It's not the worst idea. Yeah. Now, when do you like to like dabble in the industry beyond just like being behind the chair? Do you know what I mean? Like, like, are you because I know that you've done some coaching with people, you know, like, and so I know Mm -hmm. that you definitely value education. Um, But like, what what parts of the industry do you love that aren't just being behind the chair? Oh, I, I mean, coaching. Yes. Mentoring. I was so lucky to have an army of incredible mentors. Um, I think everybody needs to be paying it forward with with uh, every minute of free time we have. Um, I especially like um, getting folks when they first come out of school or early in their apprenticeship mm-hmm. and uh, shaking them vigorously until they charge properly from the get-go. One thing yes. I've noticed is that the average person that comes out of hair school is charging the same amount I charged when I came out of my apprenticeship 25 years ago. And I don't understand why the base prices in the industry always say at the same dollar amount. Mm-hmm. Like I think I was doing 30 and $40. I mean, maybe I was at a slightly higher end shop and I was in the middle of a city, but I was charging mm-hmm. 30 and $40 for short and long haircuts. And uh, I find the average person coming out of school is charging incrementally more, but not mm-hmm. much more, unless yeah. they're at the type of commission salon that, allows people that have done hair for three months to charge $150 for a haircut or something. Right, right. Do you think that that has to yeah. do with, like, like not understanding pricing structure, but also, like, they just are kind of going off of what, what the school charged? Like, well, yeah. I've, been doing, I've been doing $15 haircuts for the last, you know, nine months, so I'm going to double it. I'm going to get wild and go to 30. And also, not, like, not yeah. valuing... And I understand, like, it's scary. It's scary to leave school yeah. and you don't feel yes. like you know anything. And you're like, oh, my God, I, I was awesome in school and now I feel like a dumbass. Um, but, you know, like, I think it's that, like, not not feeling confident in their skill yet and feeling like, well, no one yeah. would ever want to pay me more than such and such. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of that. But I think it also goes back to what you were talking about earlier about uh, the way in which we tend to devalue the service industry, the way in which we don't, we feel like a a secondary industry Mm -hmm. within industries that we don't have the right to charge too much. People Uh couldn't afford it while simultaneously paying vastly more for less in other industries. Um, I, I, I just think we're used to, we're used to devaluing ourselves. Not everyone. Obviously there's some people that are fabulously good at charging Mm -hmm. but um i think we tend to devalue ourselves in this industry i think the industry attracts folks who didn't necessarily feel like they could go to university or didn't have this Mm -hmm. kind of a skill so Mm -hmm. i'll just go into hair which is unfortunate because it's not that easy Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so you have people that already didn't see their own value and struggle, and that that struggle continues throughout their career of, right. of recognizing what they're worth and what they're doing and the service that they're providing. Yeah, even just beyond the the hair services themselves. Um, yeah. In uh, when I our industry in the province that I'm in in British Columbia was shut down for about three months when COVID started. 
And when I started back up, I was the only person anybody that sat in my chair had seen in three months in person. And yeah. no one had been touched by another person yeah. in three months. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think some recognition, I think hairdressers and teachers and nurses all got a bunch of recognition at the beginning of that, of, of the value of it beyond uh-huh. just just the hair itself. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I yeah. think that tends to affect pricing. And uh, I'd certainly love through Salon Monster to help people figure out how to value themselves properly and make sure they can make a living. Because it's going to be hard if you charge $20 a haircut to get to the point that you're charging enough to pay rent in most yeah. of the major cities across North America. Then you Absolutely. get cheaper. Yeah. And it's tough also, to save an industry where you can't afford to pay your bills. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just going to say, like, because I, I feel like this is a, a conversation topic that I can, like, go on and on about. Yes. Um, but I feel like a huge thing is that because you do see a lot of people leave the industry after five years and entering an industry that the consumer has created this appearance of a secondary option and not going into it fully confident in the path that you're about to take. I think it's really hard to not only be in a space where you're trying to grow technically, but also grow confidently in like self-confidence and all of that kind of stuff. I think it is really difficult for people, and that's part of the reason that they end up leaving is because there isn't that support structure there for that they are able to charge more because they're not feeling like they're skilled enough to charge more. And that's a really hard circle to to be in. And I think yeah. that, again, goes hand in hand for mm-hmm. why people tend to leave. And it needs to start at the top a lot of the time. Even the last chair rental salon I was at, the... Um, owner was also the primary color technician there, like a star of color and undercharged horribly. Uh-huh. And I, I find a lot of us will struggle with, can I really raise my prices above somebody that's, that's been doing it 10 years longer than I have and is considered the best in their field? Uh-huh. Am I supposed to charge more than them? So I feel like everybody needs to lead Everybody at the top needs to go up so that everybody can be brought up. It's not just, and you'll have salons that'll say, oh, no, no, you can't charge that much. That's not, people won't pay it, which that makes no sense to me. People will pay virtually mm-hmm. any amount for almost anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it got more expensive too to do this job. I mean, over the last four years, you know, my, my costs for doing hair have skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen those videos? Um, It went viral for a little bit, but a lot of people were posting stuff where they were asking their clients how much they thought things were and like handing them their shears and being like, how much do you think these are? Those are some of my favorite because it's like it really is, again, the consumer that kind of has been the one to put this this perspective on our industry. And when you hand them a pair of thousand dollar shears and they're like 10 bucks, it's like you're so disconnected. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> to what it costs us to actually just like enter the industry itself. Like it's, it, there's a pretty price tag that comes with Absolutely. all of our everything. Yeah. And most people don't know what it is. About 12 years ago, I was doing my taxes and I decided to look at every expense that I had and, and just figure and look at how many hours I worked and figure out what my costs were per hour. Almost nobody knows what their hourly costs are. And then look at that and think, am I actually charging enough based on my costs? Should I be yeah. losing Am I money making any money? 
<laughs> right. Is this a volunteer job and I was just unaware of it? <laughs> yes. Can I write it off in some kind of a way? Like as a nonprofit. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, a lot of the time it is, not not in an official capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is such a good piece of advice to new professionals and people who are still in school to like really take a look at what you have put into your business, you know, because even if you're a student, like you're your business, like you're investing in yourself by going to school yeah. and learning the trade. And the the craft and being able to then have to leave and, and put more money into yourself with education and tools and all space to work. And, you know, I think that if I were to have done that back in school, it could have had a different perspective for me moving forward, yeah. being like, this is what I've invested in myself and what I need to do to, like, make that back, you know? Mm-hmm. We need more of that in the education sector right. as well. More mm-hmm. financial education more um you know i've talked about the hustle part but okay. also knowing your numbers everyone should know their numbers you yeah know, track your yeah. numbers add them up if you don't like numbers ask somebody else to add them up mm-hmm. don't yeah. like spreadsheets find another way to do it yeah 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 find some it's software a, totally like and then kind of bringing it full circle a little bit like with yeah. salon monster it it really is an easy investment and that is also something i really like about Salon Monster is that there are booking softwares out there that they're going to be the loudest in the room right now, you know, because they they have the biggest voice and the most money to spend on marketing. But it doesn't always mean that you're going to get the best investment for what you need. And sometimes that's going to be a lot more. And I feel like Salon Monster, you get what you need, especially as an independent stylist, like you get all the pieces that you need for it at a price point that isn't, it, it, it's oh, not going to be, so it's a no brainer. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah. That's what well, we're going for. Yeah. And I think <laughs> when you're starting out, you're like, okay, well, I, I need this huge thing here. And I need these, like, I need the best of things because that's how I'm going to be better. And it's like, no, you need yeah. to you need to choose the things that fit you right now. Yes. And mm-hmm. will you one day, like, you know, outgrow something? Maybe. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Salon Monster really has the ability to grow with you. But yes. if you decided 10 years from now that you need, you need, 1800 different reports and like craziness like okay sure like make the change then but but find the things that fit you now not not the things you know what i mean like it doesn't a bigger price tag does not mean that it is better i can assure there are plenty of shears out out in this world with a big fancy price tag that are no better you know than the 300 dollars shears so yeah. Um, it's knowing real quality and being able to see real quality and also being able to really like like zoom out of yourself and take a look at like what do I really need do I do I need to go to that class with the Instagram influencer and like take a picture and like do a look and learn or do I need like something local with a really solid hairdresser that's like cutting or finishing or Mm -hmm. do I need business education business education is not the most fun and it's not the most glamorous but Mm -hmm. you know in the beginning of your career is that what you really need probably probably Oh, you know, made a huge difference yeah. at the beginning of mine. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You also don't need something as an independent stylist that's made for a Medi spa or no. a 20 chair salon, you know? No. And yeah. it's like, no, and, and that's kind of the thing that I think people need to look at and understand is that, that some of the things, again, that are the loudest in the room aren't made for you, no. you, you know? And it's like, it like, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, that's that, I think that's what is like a really, incredible thing is that 
Salon Monster knows its audience. It knows who it's making this for, and it's making it really well for them. Yeah. Not for the Medi Spa, but for the person yeah. that is actually yeah. using this tool and mm-hmm. needs it to to run their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you need and hopefully nothing more. That's the idea. <laughs> Keep it lean. Yeah. That's the idea for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, many the larger it is, the harder it is to learn, uh-huh. too, which which gets to be nightmarish at times. Uh-huh. If you have to spend, you know, uh, six, four hour sessions to figure out how yeah. to get it set up in a rudimentary <laughs> way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember building a, like a salon, like just a salon website for somebody um, and needing to integrate their booking software. And I swear to you, it took me more time on the phone with the customer service people of the booking software to like get that set up than I spent building the entire rest of the site. Like yeah. mm-hmm. it was wild. And I was like, I would, I would never use this company. Like this is, is not can you right. imagine like, what if you have a problem? Like what if you need to sell a gift card? Like dear Lord, don't let there be, don't let there be <laughs> someone who had a color issue. Like I was like, you need a full-time person just to like deal with the software. And it's like, if it is not, I'm, I'm old now. If something is not making my life easier, then yeah. like I I just have zero patience for it because I'm not I'm not yeah. trying to pay for things to be harder. Mm-hmm. I don't Absolutely. think that makes you old. I think that makes you clever, wise. <laughs> That's right. So, mm-hmm. Yes, That's be right. clever, everyone. <laughs> That's right. Path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm very excited for our trip to Milan. Um, (laughs) Me too. Yes. (laughs) Even if you're just there in spirit. Um, But yeah, I I really love, I really love we have a chance to like sit down and chit chat because I think that you are so like, like on our wavelength for like how you feel about the industry. It's just like, it's, it's not that complicated. Like be good and be good to people and do good hair and lose the Mm -hmm. ego. And you too can make money, you know, if you educate yourself and are willing to get out there a little bit. Couldn't agree more. No. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I have one more question, but it's a two-part. Okay. So <laughs> it's what is your like favorite piece of advice to give someone in the industry based off of all of your journey? But the two part is, what is your favorite piece of advice as a hairdresser to give? But mm-hmm. the second part is, what would piece of advice would you give as the co-creator of Salon Monster Booking Software? Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. Um, I tr- Treating people <laughs> the way you would want to be treated is probably the best piece of advice I got. Just make people feel comfortable. When the average person walks into a salon, they feel nervous and like they're not cool enough. Mm-hmm. If you can immediately let them know you're 100% supposed to be here, no mm-hmm. one's actually as cool as you think they are. It just looks like it. It's a, it, you know, it's a group of nerds, right? It's a group of hair <laughs> yeah. nerds hanging around. Yep. <laughs> um, that, was, that was a really good piece of advice to just make people feel comfortable, treat yeah. people well, make people feel welcome. Don't act too cool. Uh, and and another one from the hair perspective, I know you only asked for one, was, you know, don't purchase tools that exceed your skill level. Uh, you were talking about prices of things. You could buy $10,000 scissors. They won't make you better. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's diminishing returns in that stuff. There's a reason they cost 10000 
And there's somebody out there who it's going to make a difference for, but it's probably not you. And if you just started, it's definitely not you. So just don't buy that. tools that exceed your skill level. There's, mm-hmm. just, yeah. there's no purpose to it. It will never make you better. Practice mm-hmm. will make you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, from the the Salon Monster perspective, I think it's just going to go back to what we talked about before, which is um, you know, know your worth and charge your worth early. You know, figure out what your costs are, figure out what you need to make a living, build in your personal costs if you want, take your personal budget, figure out what your job costs you to do, figure out what your life costs you, and then charge so that you make 25% more. Yes. Save some money. Save money. I'm going to give snaps for that. Save money. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much taking the time today to sit and chat with us. And and I'm so excited for all of our listeners to start to know and love Salon Monster as much as we do. And again, I like I am so proud to have Salon Monster as our podcast sponsor because it just, it's a company that Aaron and I truly love and believe in and support 100%. And we want to make sure all of our listeners always know that there is people behind the software with Salon Monster, which is our favorite thing. So sure. our favorite people makes it stand our favorite out for people sure. Are behind, absolutely. Behind the software. Right absolutely. Back at you, right back at both of you. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Liam, and thank you, Aaron, and thank you for all of our listeners. And if you loved this episode, make sure that you subscribe to future ones and always feel free to slide into our DMs and let us know what you'd like to hear in the future. And we'll see everybody next week. Thanks so much. Thanks.